one of the prophets in the past who still speaks to us today was a man by the name of Dr. A.W. Tozer. Dr. Tozer was so poignant in some of his predictions and some of his uh, directions of what he sees as a nation that he made people mad. But he changed those that he didn't make mad. They left, un- they left changed. They couldn't leave what he was saying without being changed. I want you to listen to what he wrote on one occasion. The average Christian these days is a harmless enough thing. God knows. He is a child wearing with considerable self-consciousness the harness of the warrior. He is a sick eaglet that can never mount up with wings. He is a spent pilgrim who has given up the journey and sits now with a waxy smile, trying to get what pleasure he can from sniffing the wilted flowers he has picked by the way. Such as these has been reached. Satan has gotten them early. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about something that... Many times we as teachers and as pastors seemingly portray and cast off to those that are listening to us. And it is simply this. Once I have become a Christian, God's promised to take care of me. Everything's going to be okay And I'm just going to sail right on into eternity without ever having any problems. I think we propagate that from the pulpit a lot of times. But friends, that's not what God's Word says at all. all. The Old Testament and the New Testament and the history of Christianity looks at us and looks at us from a marshaled life. That's how we're supposed to be. In fact... The history of the church contains a lot of strange words like persecution, martyrdom, suffering, imprisonment, bloodshed. Our leader was executed. All the apostles, with the exception of one, was executed. If you're going to rise and to be in His presence and to be able to reign with Him... You're going to have to suffer with Him. That's what God's telling us. That's not popular. I realize that's not popular. I didn't come to be popular. I'm going to give you the truth. That's what God's Word says. John 36, verse 33 says, John 16, verse 33, or in the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, He says. I have overcome the world. The Bible teaches that the Christian experience is warfare. Warfare. We don't like that. And the warfare is not of guns and bullets and explosives. It is another type of warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 14. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power, divine power to... Destroy strongholds. We cannot do it by ourselves. The weapons that we're to put on, that we're to wear, that we're to have, is in Ephesians 6. And that's what we've been looking at. 
We're to have this in the hand-to-hand combat with our enemy, Satan. Do you believe there's a war going on? Do you want to get in it? Or do you think you'd just soon not be in it and take a seat somewhere? There is a war going on. We've talked about that. The first piece of armor is found in verse 14. It's the sturdy belt of truth. Satan is the prince of liars. He is the greatest liar you'll ever run into. And the only thing to defend us from a lie is the truth. The truth is not a concept. The truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I put him on, I must know the truth of God's word, but I must also live the truth in my own life. So I have to ask myself, am I authentic or am I artificial? The second piece, the next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. It covers the central portion of importance in who we are, our heart. And when we have put that on, we're protected from what Satan wants to do. But let me tell you something about that. We are to keep our hearts right. We're to be righteous. Righteous before God and before men. And we have no righteousness of our own. But thank God, He gives us in an account His righteousness. So that's the second one. The next piece of armor that we've looked at is the shoes. The Bible talks about, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The shoes are the gospel of peace. Listen, you cannot fight the enemy if you got a war going on on the inside of you. And let me tell you, I know a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ who are as calm and cool on the outside, but they've got a war going on on the inside. They've got a war going on on the inside. The Bible says righteousness and peace kissed. They kissed, Psalms 85.10. Do you have peace or do you just have controlled panic? Now the Bible says there's another piece of armor that we're to take. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want you to see that. It's a shield of faith. Hope you have your Bibles open to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And I want you to stand and follow along as I read aloud these passages of Scripture. Ephesians 6, I'll begin in verse 10. Listen to what God's Word says. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now jump down to verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So you can extinguish all the darts of the evil one. One. It's interesting what he's saying. He provides the armor 
we're the ones that to take it up, to put it on. He doesn't just drop it on us. It's our personal duty. It's our primary duty. It is our paramount duty. And it is our perpetual duty. All the time to be putting it on. Now the first three pieces of armor, while you're still standing, I haven't forgot to set you down. The first three pieces of armor were introduced with the words, and it's interesting, having. Having fastened on the sturdy belt of truth, having put on, the Bible says, the breastplate, having put on the readiness, but now there is a change in language. If you don't watch it, you'll miss it. Now, the transition says, instead of having, take up. Take up. That's what's going to happen in the rest of this weaponry. Take it up. Let me tell you what God is saying. Take it. Take it right now. Now is the time to have this piece of weaponry. Right now is the time. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit today would touch hearts. And I pray that you would touch my heart. And Father, I pray that as you walk among us and you deal with us, that we as your people would respond to you. We would respond to you in a way that would bring brokenness and bring us to repentance before you. I pray that, Father. And I pray that as your people and as your spokesman today, that you would help us to see that there is a war going on and that each of us are responsible as your children to be able to stand and stand firm when the enemy comes after us. So God, may that become real to us this morning. Not just words on a page, but a lifestyle. Father, we live in a hurting nation and we would pray for people, especially in our coastal cities who are in dire needs today. And Father, we also know that there's people in our church that are hurting. And so my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would minister to each of us right where we are. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I want us to look at some things this morning that shield of faith that we're talking about, and we're going to talk about it some more. Satan's first work with people is recorded for us in Genesis. And we have an idea of how he works. How he worked there in the garden is how he works now right here in Grapevine. He hasn't changed. There's very little original with Satan. But he still does the same thing. And the Bible says if we're going to be able to stand the attacks that he brings against us, we're going to have to take up the shield of faith. Now we've learned about each one of these parts that they're actually Christ himself. It's putting on Christ. It is 
his strength and in his strength, in the strength of his might, we're told, that we can have victory. So that is what we're doing. He is looking for us to put that on. God's word tells us in Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that perfected it. Then also, I want you to know Galatians 2.20, which many of you already know. The life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how I live that. That's the importance of faith. Let's talk about this faith, this shield. The first thing on your outline, the priority of the shield of faith. Ephesians 6 verse 16 says, In all circumstances, your translation, other translations say above all, above all or in addition to all. What the passage is saying and the transition in the language is telling us that it is now of paramount importance that you take up this shield. Now, you've been putting on the other armor, and the other armor is important, and you need the other armor. But now, it is very extremely important that you take up the shield. Without the shield, you're vulnerable. Your life is. Do you remember a man by the name of Ahab in the Old Testament? You probably remember his wife better. Jezebel. But let me tell you something about Ahab that you may have never seen. Ahab was going into battle. He was going into battle with the Syrians. He was the king of Israel. And when he got ready to go into battle, he put his armor on next to his body, but he took off his cloak, which was a king's robe, because he wanted to disguise himself. And when he took that off, he got it in to a chariot. And there's an interesting verse that says this about what happened next when the battle got very heated. Listen. Now a certain man, this is 1 Kings 22 verse 34. Now a certain man drew a bow at random. Boy, listen to this. And struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Now there are joints in the armor. And this arrow, shot at random, found the place between his armor and he died. He bled to death in the chariot. He didn't have his shield. Now, the shield's important because we have places in our armor where an arrow can find our body. But when we have the shield, we can start defending ourselves with the shield. Let's talk about now, number two, the purpose of the shield. Why do we need this shield? Well, Ephesians 6 verse 16 said, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, I'm wearing a modern day shield, or I will be in a minute. It weighs too much. That's all I can tell you. It's heavy. But our military today wears one of these. They wear them in the front, and they wear them in the back. Now, Mark's going to help me put this on. You pray for him because it slips in from the bottom. 
And if it falls on my toe, I'm in trouble. It's open. Throw that back up. I don't want that falling on my toes. Thank you, Mark. Give Mark a hand. He's been doing this for me all along. Now, I feel heavier, but I feel more protected. Let me tell you about the Roman shield. There was two kinds of Roman shields. There was a shield that was round that was put on the arm of the swordsman. And he would use that so that when that sword against him began to cleave down across his skin or his skull, he could protect himself with that shield. It was a round shield, buckled, strapped on to his arm. But that's not the kind of shield we're talking about. There was a second kind of shield. And the second kind of shield that we're talking about here was two and a half feet wide, four and a half feet tall. It would be like going into battle with a door in front of you. You could hide your entire body under that shield. And you could turn for protection whenever you saw the fiery darts start coming in. And so when he talks about the shield, that is what we're supposed to do. There's a second thing I want you to know, because you've seen these terms that we use sometimes about the flaming darts or the flaming arrows. There's really two different things there that I want you to see. The Romans very early on found that they could take a dart with an extremely potent poison that they found. And they would dip that dart in the poison. And then that poison dart, when it came against you, whether it was a superficial wound or deep penetration, it would kill you and it would be painful dying. The second flaming dart that he's talking about, or the second flaming arrow, was actually an arrow that had pitch put on it and set on fire. So when the Romans were fighting other countries, and they too had shields, mostly out of wood before they started making them out of metal, they would light their arrows with that pitch, and wherever that arrow hit, it would burn and destroy anything that was wood. And so it would get the wooden uh, shields that people were carrying. Romans were smart. They put a wet animal skin over their wooden shield so that it wouldn't catch on fire. It'd just be heavy. So that's the kind of shields, that's the kind of darts, that's the fiery weapons that are sent to us 
by the enemy. You ever feel one of those? I have, friend. And I want to tell you about those fiery darts. They hurt a long, long time after the initial penetration. And Satan knows exactly where the places are in your weaponry so that he can get past those to get at you. That's what he's talking about. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to know that Satan knows all of that. And these darts have one purpose, are these arrows. And it is to produce distress of your mind, depression of your spirit, and it's to bring discouragement to your soul. That's what it does. Long after these errors are gone, the pain is still there. Let me give you the third thing, the potential of the shield of faith. Some of you have already decided, Kent, before you go any further, I want you to know, if I could tell you face to face, that you have no idea how Satan comes at me. And every time somebody gets up and preaches, they just talk glibly about what Satan can do and all this sort of stuff. But you have no idea, Kent, what I face every day, every moment. You can't talk glibly about that. Well, let me share something with you, friend. Again, to what God's Word says in Ephesians 6, 16, with which you can extinguish all, not some, not part of them, but all, all the flaming darts of the evil one. All of them. I want you to know something, friend. If that's a mindset that you have, that Satan's coming at you with something that there is nothing that can stop him, I want you to know God's talking just to you this morning. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. That shield of faith is for that, whatever that is in your life and whatever you are carrying. That's what he's talking about. When you get a hold of this truth and the promises of God, you don't have to live as a victim to what Satan is doing in your life. Look at number four, the protection of the shield of faith. What does the shield protect? Well, I want to show some things that it protects. I want to again begin back in Genesis. Listen to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, in his opening, Satan's opening performance with mankind... I want you to see what's been recorded for our protection. The first bullet there. The first dart is doubt. Write that on your outline. Doubt. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And the Lord God, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? The first dart is the dart of doubt. If he can get you to doubt, then he's got you on the way to where he wants to go. He brings that doubt. You doubt God, you doubt his integrity, you begin to doubt everything about him. But the second dart is denial. Write that in, would you? Denial. Eve tells the serpent, the Lord told us, or God told us, not to eat of that or even to touch it. For from the, day, from the time that we do, there in the midst of the garden, we'll die. We'll die. Now listen to how Satan comes back here in Genesis 3 verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die. 
Now, Satan is too smart to come with denial as the first arrow. He's too sharp with that, too sharp to do that. But it will not be long after he gets you to doubt that he will begin to flat out deny what God says because he wants to get you to do that. First doubt and then denial. But I want to show you something else too. The third one there. The third one is deception. And it is most poisonous. Most poisonous. Listen, if you will, to how he deceived Eve. Genesis 3 verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. A third dart has penetrated her heart. That's what he's done. As you well know, Satan's arrows find the weak places. But let me remind you of what he always starts with. Satan always starts with doubt. Every time he starts with doubt. Now let me share something with you. I talked a few weeks ago about first mentioned in the Bible. Let me tell you when the word shield is first mentioned in the Bible. It's all the way back in Genesis 15.1. Listen to this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding and great reward. After these things, God is saying, I am your shield and I am your reward. After these things, what does that mean? What happened before this? Well, let me tell you what happened before in chapter 14 of Genesis. You probably remember this story. There was four kings who combined their armies and went down into the valley, the plains, to take five cities, five kings and their cities. And they had success. They went in and they took all the wealth and they took all the people and they began to march them back to their place. Four defeated five. Someone escaped and they came to Abram and he got the word that they had taken those, especially the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had a nephew living down there. The Bible says that he took 318 men that had some training in warfare. And he takes those men and they go. They go day and night, just continuous hours until they catch up to that army of four kings with all their loot and all their people. And when he goes in, it's a God thing. Those 318 men take back all that those four kings have gotten. He takes back the people. He takes back the wealth. He takes them all the way back to those five cities that they had lived in that were now in shambles. And when he takes them back, one of the kings say to him, to Abram, he, the king of Sodom, he says, I want you to just give me the people. You can have all the wealth. And he says, I don't want the wealth. Listen to what he says. I will take nothing from a, fred, a thread to a sandal strap from you because I don't want anybody to say that you made me rich. Now, 
chapter 15, after these things where we started. Abram is making his way back across the plains to go across the mountains to where he was. It's been a long journey. He spends the night before he gets home in his tent. And he's sitting there in his tent and God comes to him. And God says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. He's just defeated four kings who are mad and hot as they can be. He caught them by surprise. And when they can regroup and when they can get back together, Satan says, they're going to come after you. I know that feeling. There have been times when I thought I had great victories in my life and I climbed up on that hill and I sat down in the doorway of my tent and all of a sudden, Satan began to come after me. You ever had those times? That's exactly what's happening to him right now, Abram. And God says to this man, when he's talking about that, he says, do not be afraid, I am your shield. I'm your shield. I'll protect you from whatever those four kings decide to do. Let me have some more of your defined thinking. He's sitting there and Satan comes a second time to him and he says, you fool. You gave up all the wealth out of those cities. Do you realize how wealthy you could be if you hadn't done that? And God comes again to this man and He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your reward. Not man's wealth. I am your reward. Friend, I want to tell you, That's what the shield means. That's how it's to be used. If you go over to Hebrews 11th chapter, you find all kinds of men and women who used that shield of faith and protected themselves because they had faith. Read those stories. You know about them. You know what will happen. They took up that shield of faith so they would not be defeated by the fiery darts. Let me give you the last one. The possession of the field of faith. How do you possess that shield? You saw me walk over and take that a moment ago. You have to take it. God's not going to drop it out of heaven. You don't get it for good behavior. You have to take it up. You have to take it yourself. Take up the shield of faith. Who does the taking up? The soldier does. You do and I do. We have to take it up. Nobody's going to give it to us. We have to take it up. We take that up. Listen, when you take it up, what that means is you learn to appropriate it. You learn to use it. You make it part of your living. You make it yours. That's what it means to take it up. Faith is not faith unless you use it, friend. True faith is always active. Always active. The way you appropriate faith to arm yourself is you start exercising your faith. That's what Christ did in Matthew 4 when Satan came at him. 
Now, give me, let me give you some life application. Two things will help, the, the, help you take up the shield and use it so that you can cover those fiery darts before they come in. First of all, get straight about the object of your faith. Get straight about the object of your faith. I want to tell you something, friend. Churches across our nation are in such disarray and despair and discouragement that it is difficult to listen to what's going on. They put their trust in the wrong object. Don't you ever put your trust in the wrong object. Let me get more personal. Don't you ever put your trust in the representative of God that stands up in this pulpit. You hear me? I don't care who it is. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking about everybody who calls himself a preacher. And let me tell you something else. Baptist, don't you put your trust in your denomination. It'll not get you anywhere. You've got to put your trust in the right thing, in the proper thing. Let me ask you, had you rather have a lot of trust in two inches of ice or a little trust in two feet of ice? You got that? Then let me tell you something, friend. I'm talking about the object of your faith. That's what counts. The object of your faith. Let me give you the second thing. Now I'm going to make you mad. Get serious about strengthening your faith. Get serious about strengthening your faith. Your faith. How do you do that? Same way you strengthen your body, your physical body. By eating and exercising. Now I'm going to make you mad. Baptist, you and I have been sitting around the table and feasting on all kinds of spiritual food. We've got CDs. We've got study books. We've got all these different studies that we're going to that somebody's teaching us and we're getting fed and we're getting fed. We're almost getting bloated on the Scripture. I want to tell you something, Grapevine Baptist Church. I'm going to get specific. Push back from the table and start exercising your faith. We've been doing everything else except exercising our faith and nothing's happening outside the walls. God, don't just give you that to look at it and be prideful of it and fill up on it. He gives it to us to exercise. To exercise. You grow spiritually, not by what you know, but when you take up truth and you apply it to your life. You don't apply it, you don't grow. It's just that simple. Friend, I want to tell you, This shield of faith that God has given us is to be used. And you'll find out that you can put on all the other, all the other weaponry. And if you don't take up immediately that shield of faith, you're going to find Satan right in your corner all the time. Right in your corner all the time. Friend, I'm not just doing this for visual effects. I want you to understand God has told us to take up 
that shield. Take up that shield. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to have our